Yo, and welcome to the EPM show. I am your host, Blake Bozarth, and I am hosting solo today. Chad Pike is not here for the moment, but that's all right. We're going to have a blast here. We have an awesome guest today, Travis San Pedro. Travis, welcome to the EPM show. Howdy, howdy. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Excited to have you, man. Today, we're getting into what is it like breaking into EPM and succeeding in the EPM space, even if you have a non-traditional background. So we're going to talk about that. Before we get into that, I'd like to ask you our patented question, which is, tell us about you and your career in 60 seconds. I'll have a little timer going here, and you can tell us whatever you want about you and your career, and... Yep. Name Travis San Pedro. I'm an Anaplan project manager based in Austin, Texas, aka Silicon Hills. I'm a bachelor's from Rice University and my master's from Yale University. Started my career working in architecture for uh, the great Bob Stern at Robert Amstern Architects out in New York. Love the firm. I still follow their incredible work, but New York City just wasn't my cup of tea. So <laughs> I came back to Dallas where I was given an opportunity to, to be an account manager at a branding and advertising firm. So and I took that and ran with it, and I've been doing that for the past nine years um, in consulting or insurance and e-commerce, you name it. That's sort of given me the advantage of being able to anticipate needs from having seen projects at the micro and macro level. And now I'm a PM and an Anaplan partner doing sort of implementations for a slew of clients from the U.S. and U.K. Well done. And you you finished with some with some time to spare. That was that was that was great. So a couple more questions just to just to get to know you. Can you tell us about what's the most fun that you've had in the last few months? The most fun. I love live music. Austin is a great place for that. So I was able to catch Dave Matthews as well as Animal Collective a couple months ago. That was great. Those guys were on my bucket list. So both really great concerts. Dave really gives I, you the most for your, your money. <laughs> I've heard great things. I am not a concert guy, but I can appreciate that. My wife actually just booked tickets for a take on our four, almost five-year-old in the new year to a big concert that he's going to be excited about. So I guess I'm going to have to get, be a concert guy for that. Next question for you is, I think you may have already given it away, but if, if there's a place that you've been that you have zero interest in going back to, what would that be? Ah, yes. Okay. I'm getting a lot of hate in the comments. New York City just, it was not for me. <laughs> I totally understand the appeal, but I think I'm a suburb guy through and through. Hey, you can own that. And that's that's interesting coming from somebody with the arts design and kind of architecture background. You just, you don't care about the, the big city, right? This is, a, but you can appreciate it. You just don't necessarily want to live there or be there too much, right? Not <laughs> much for me. Don't hold it against them. We've already had Chad, our co-host. He's he's hated on New Jersey already, but to hate on New York City is a, is oh, a, no. a bigger deal. It's a much bigger deal. So, hey, the meat of our show today, we're talking about what does it look like breaking in and succeeding in EPM with a non-traditional background? So if you don't have, what would your advice be to somebody? Maybe we start about this, Travis. What would your advice be to somebody who doesn't have a business background, doesn't have a finance background? Maybe they're hardcore liberal arts through and through, English philosophy, something like that. What would you say to them as they're considering a career in this space or someone who's in the space and feels like it's a disadvantage for them potentially, what would you say to them? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, EPM in general is really about using data to make informed decisions. And what you're doing is really telling a story qualitatively from quantitative data. And we do that every day in our personal lives, right? If you think about, you know, kind of microfinancially, you can look at your receipts and, and tell a story knowing where all your money is going. And so using an EPM tool is really kind of holding 
actions or teams or strategies accountable. And you can back that up with objective data. It's not subjective. You can't say, well, I didn't really think they did well, right? You can actually back that up and say they did not do well because we can see that here. And, and so I think that's kind of the first thing is if you really like being able to draw conclusions from numbers and really help sort of prove a point, whatever that might be, particularly within business, then EPM might be the space for you. And then I think in terms of getting into it, there are so many great software options out there. I know that Anaplan offers you the ability to get L1 and L2 certification right there for free on their, on their website. And that's a really great way to get your foot in the door for any of those Anaplan partners that use it. So you're telling me that it's not a deal breaker if you don't have a business it's or finance background. And how would you know this? How, how did you live this? So like walk us through, what did it look like for you to discover? What were you doing before again? And what did it look like you did this? for you to discover this space and to succeed in breaking into it and growing in it. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'd always done either project or account management for my career after architecture. So that aspect of it wasn't different or, or new to me, but I was looking for a different opportunity. A friend of mine that I actually went to undergrad with, shout out to Kate Chura. She definitely changed my life. She is a master and a planner. If you ever get to work with her, it is a privilege. She is incredible. She offered me an opportunity to come work for her at an Anaplan partner. And, and then, yeah, that's sort of how I fell down the rabbit hole and have been doing, you know, projects that run the gamut in all sorts of industries with the tool. And so specifically on the Anaplan front, when you were taking this job, what did it look like? Did you already have level one or two under your belt? Did you get it as you were coming in? What did that look like? I did not. So the partner that I was at, had sort of cohorts that would start all together and they would make their way through L1, which was great, right? Because you sort of had this study group and had this kind of time period to gain that certification. And then from there, you were put into your first project. Because of my background, I was always going to be a project manager. I didn't start out being a model builder. I also didn't really sort of an interest in, in working in that capacity. So that's how I got into managing Anaplan projects specifically. And yeah, like I said, I've been doing that for the past couple of years now. That's really cool. And you were able to basically get the up to level three, right? Level three you, you, you've done since you've taken on the PM roles at these partners. Yeah. So that's great. And talk to me more. I want to explore more about this conscious decision to say, you know what? I want to stay on a PM track, a project management track versus model building and solution architect and maybe master and a planner in the future. Talk to us about that. What, what, what about the way you're wired and I guess about your career goals has given you that confidence and clarity to stay on that PM track versus going down the other. Yeah. So I think one of the big topics of conversation now in, in corporate is about neurodiversity and really recognizing our strengths and our, our our weaknesses. For me, I, again, I'd always been in project or account management. It really allowed me the opportunity to see a project from the macro and the micro, from the client side, you know, and, and really be able to anticipate the needs of the client. You know, why are they asking for these things? What are they going to ask next? And so I wanted to leverage all of that kind of experience and continue to, you know, run with that. And so kind of starting over and, and working within Anaplan wasn't where I wanted to be at, particularly kind of 
having gone down this path for so many years. And then also, you know, I think it takes a certain mindset, one that is, you know, pretty quant driven. If you're in STEM, you'll probably pick it up pretty quickly to really kind of understand the nuances. There's a lot of kind of logic there, a lot of formula writing, and I have the utmost respect for people that can do that, but it doesn't come naturally to some people. For me, I definitely like driving the team. I think to be a good PM, you have to be be able to empathize and sympathize. You have to be able to read the room and, and have your finger on the pulse of things. You have to know when to, you know, put the pedal to the metal or to kind of lay off and say, you know, this person is really tired. We need to shift their workload. And it, those soft skills, I think, really ensure that your team is healthy. You are creating you know, as healthy a work environment as possible to get this project done successfully. So I think that's definitely where my skill set lied more so than kind of working in those, you know, black and white hard numbers. We are all about doubling down on your strengths, knowing your strengths, knowing yourself and stretching yourself where you, it, it's just all about your, it's about knowing your strengths and knowing your career goals. So when you can combine those two things and you're like, okay, this is the way I'm gifted. These are the things that I'm already naturally good at. And then if I continue to work on them, I could become potentially a world-class in these things versus, Hey, I'm a, I'm a two or a three on a scale of 10 here. And maybe if I worked my butt off, I could take that two or a three to a five or a six. And it's just, that's a massive difference from, Hey, I'm already a seven or an eight in these kind of skills and in these kind of, these kind of work activities. And if I could really focus on this, I could take this seven or eight to a nine or a 10. That's where the value is. So I love that clarity that you have. And I love that confidence you have. And it's knowing what you're going to say no to as well. So that's really good. Talk to me. Why did you choose Travis, knowing that you were going to stay on the PM track? Why did you choose to continue to pursue the level three for the Hannah plan certification? What did that look like? Is that something you were asked to do? How has that served you in your role? I think Anaplan is very much like a foreign language. And unless you use it every day, it's very easy for those skills to atrophy. And then also it gives you better insight into the tool. You know the LOE for certain asks, right? And so when a client comes back and says, we want to add this new user story, you can kind of go back and say, that is not easy. We will definitely have to circle back with you. If you know nothing about the tool, I would not say that you're going to have an easy time project managing within Anaplan. And it also, again, helps you kind of sympathize with your model builders who are really leaning on you to, again, make sure that it's a healthy build, right? So we're not asking to do condense, you know, eight weeks worth of effort into, you know, three, right? That's just not going to be humanly possible. It helps you kind of better allocate resources for the build and know how long things should take. So the more that you can learn any tool that you're using in whatever industry you're in, the better able you're going to be kind of all around. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, a generalist versus a specialist. And I think that's sort of what a, a PM is sort of doing anyways, leading a bunch of specialists. I like to sort of think of it as the PM is the conductor of an orchestra and everybody just wants to play their instrument. And the conductor is just making sure that they're able to do that. Wow. Good analogy. And I also love the foreign language analogy too. It's one of those things that's like, hey, I took a lot of Spanish through even middle school, high school, college. If I'm not using that, I am losing that so fast. And that's that's really good. It, it gives you a chance to actually connect, speak the same language, and just makes you better at what you're doing as a PM because of that. So talk to me about, you've you've been on the partner side, Travis. 
talk to me about what is that, what have you enjoyed about working for an annual plan partner, as opposed to maybe being on the customer side, working for a partner, working with multiple clients over time. What have you enjoyed about being on the annual plan partner side? What I love is that it's a different team every couple of months, both internally and externally. It's a different challenge. It could be a completely different industry that you're working within. That's always really fun. I love that it, it changes up so nothing ever gets stale. And you accumulate all of these different case studies under your belt. And particularly if you're doing like a postmortem, which I highly recommend that you do you then walk away with all of these nuggets of wisdom that you're then able to parlay into future projects, or you're able to kind of give out to other colleagues who might be asking for advice on how to navigate a tricky situation. So, you know, I love it. I, I've just, as many case studies as you can throw at me, I, I want to gobble them up like a hungry, <laughs> hungry hippo. So when you talk, when you mentioned, that's really good. When you mentioned the postmortem, is that something that, is that something formal that you do after every kind of client engagement? We do, yes. Typically about a you know a week or so after deployment, when things have sort of calmed down, we like to have about you know a 30-minute hour session talking about what went well, what could we improve upon. It's not a blame game. It's not an investigation. No one's in trouble. It's just about how can we kind of learn from what we did that made this project successful and, and what can we kind of maybe work on better. I like to, you know, use the analogy of, like watching tapes, right? If you're you're a football player, you're gonna go, even if you win that game, back and see like, all right, well, this is what our opponent's doing, right? Or, or this is what we did really well. Boom, that's great. That's like another great nugget and you're dropping them. So when you think about what's next for you in your career, Travis, what goals do you have? What do you wanna accomplish? What are you working towards? Yeah, I think you know, just continuing to learn as much as I can about Anaplan. I mean, there's so much out there so many great resources from Anapedia to the short tutorial videos. So that's one aspect of it. And I think the other, like I mentioned earlier, was just kind of getting as much experience under my belt as possible because you do learn, you know, what to look out for on the next project. If it's within the same space, you can advise, you know, junior model builders when they're coming on or, you know, other project managers who are just starting out in their careers. So that's really great because, you know, for me, I've never really understood the idea of like hoarding knowledge or resources when you're all playing on the same team. I love the idea of working flatly and collaboratively. I try and make all the resources that, you know, we generate open to everybody else within, within the company, because it just makes you guys overall a better performer. Amen. Love that. I love the emphasis on how can you help others succeed? That's a, that's a sign of career growth when your mind changes from that less concerned about you and more concerned about, Hey, I want to help others succeed. Really good. Travis, from your perspective, what is something that people that are in EPM now should start doing that would be really beneficial? Use the Anaplan way. It is this tried and true method of how to run a project soup to nuts. Of course, you're going to have to customize it for every client, but it really does help you kind of get up and running boots on the ground immediately. So you really don't have to think too much about how you're going to organize or run the project and more about collecting what you need from them in the discovery phase or kind of QA and QCing things, or even just making sure that, you know, things are, are running on time. It's, it's, it's sort of this no brainer way to ensure that your project is going to go well and people don't use it. They sort of make up their own methods or they build the bridge as they cross it. And that is like the number one way to 
have a dumpster fire project and put everyone at risk and go over budget and over time. So use the Anaplan way. Boom. That's a hot take. <laughs> Love it. And it's there for a reason. Like why reinvent the wheel when there's something that's so purpose fit for, for the role and what you're doing. So really good stuff. Hey, on the personal side, do you have any personal BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal that you're going after these days? Oh man, I just started working with a trainer. That's pretty big for me, particularly as someone, you know, with asthma, you know, playing for a long period of time, whether it was, you know, sport or even just going, you know, running has always been difficult. So kind of seeing those gains in terms of endurance is, has been a big win for me personally. So continuing to work with my trainer, I think, and sticking with it is, is one of those big goals outside of work. Given what you just said, have you, have you experienced pickleball yet? I have not. I love squash. I love tennis. I feel like pickleball, oh, Travis. I feel like it's a little goofy because you can't lift your elbows above your, your waist, right? Oh, Travis, pickleball will change your life. I am not kidding you. It will change your life, especially if you play squash and tennis already. You're already like a paddle racket sport guy. It will change huge your racket. life. If you have not played it yet, play it, give it two or three chances, come back to me and let me know how much you love it. I, I'm telling you, it will change your life. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am so passionate about pickleball. I should have a pickleball podcast. I'm not going to lie. You are preaching to the choir. I think that it's supposed to have like explosive growth over the next couple of years. So, okay. So supposedly that. already, I'm not sure which number is right, but somewhere between five and 8 million people are playing it already playing it, which is a big deal. Like that's a lot of people that play a sport and by 2030, they're expecting, I think it's 40 million. So to five X more than 5x by 2030. It's it's just it's huge. Like there, there's okay. so much demand for it. they can't they can't honestly they can't build the facilities and the courts quick enough. Like it's getting crazy, especially in like warmer places, but even even in colder places they have indoor facilities, they have all kinds of stuff. Anyways, this is not the pickleball podcast, but I'm just letting you know. I think I think you're going to love it and you got to let you got to let me know when you try it, Travis. Let me get you out on this. Where is the best place for people to look you up? You can find me on LinkedIn, Travis San Pedro or on my website, heyimtravis.com. That website is, I stumbled across, it is fire. So you, it, you should check that out, guys. HeyImTravis.com. Somehow you had the, you got the URL for that. I don't know if you paid somebody off or what, but impressive. Hey, this has been a blast, man. Thanks so much for, for being on the show and dropping your perspective and insights and shared a number of nuggets. And we just really appreciate you coming on and having you here. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Peace. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. And we really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's, what's to come. And also, if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on. That really helps, and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host, Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.